Salutations! Salutations and welcome to the 43rd episode of the In The House podcast. The official podcast of Scouse's House Supporters Group and I am the, uh, I am the official host and uh, it is an official supporters group of Louisville City Football Club. Official host. Uh, no, I, hold on a minute. That's I, the first time I am you've ever an, said. I, it's because I messed it up. I'm an official host. Yeah, I messed it up. Define official. Uh, who else is doing this? That's true. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, this is episode number 43. Yeah. 42 went well, I thought. And uh, that's, that's a good thing because yeah. 43, we have almost no news to talk about in this episode. <laughs> We've got basically nothing of interest or note. And uh, that's actually kind of a good thing because what we do have instead is just a fantastic guest that we're thrilled to be bringing on here. But before I can talk, especially before I can talk to this specific guest, I'm going to need to bring on my partner, who is perhaps the number one fan of this specific guest. And so... Uh, oh, you're going to make me blush in front of him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring on this gentleman who's coming to you tonight live from a surprisingly lengthy walking <laughs> tour of the Lord of the Rings Trail in New Zealand, Andy Frederick, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Andy, welcome in, buddy. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Yeah? New Zealand's beautiful. Is it? Yeah. And if the walking tour of Lord of the Rings is anything like the... If it's movie accurate, yeah. I don't know what they're complaining about, because it's not that bad. It's no? very pretty. The fires of Mordor are more like a light glow. Yeah, it's, it's not that hot. If you've been around a campfire, you're fine. Um, nice. It's not that steep of a hill. Nice. I don't you're, know what they were. I don't know what they're complaining. Your about. wife will be furious if you throw your ring into that. They're just telling you that right now. She, she'll be we, she would send me an after it for sure. All right, all right. But Andy, tonight our guest. Very excited. I'm very excited. He is a two-time USL champion. Yeah. He was amongst the league leaders and the team leader in assists last year with 13. Yeah. He has been an integral cog of both of the last two championships. He's a big deal. He's number 19 in your playbooks. He's number one in your heart. Yeah. It's Oscar Jimenez, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Oscar, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's uh, What's it been, two minutes? Yeah. And it's been really fun so far. <laughs> well, then we're really good. <laughs> he's, he's already counting down the moments. We promised him that it like, wouldn't when, take that long. When can I leave? When, though? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm, Oscar, thanks so much for coming. Uh, let's start easy. How, how's the offseason, man? Well, thank you for having me. Um, offseason has been very relaxing. Yeah. Very relaxing. Um, you know, I... Did a lot of traveling this oh, nice. season and yeah, you spent time with family, which was very, very important. Yeah. I follow you on Instagram. Okay. So you just got... <laughs> I tried not to say that creepily. <laughs> you just got, got back from Europe. Yeah. 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 Like a week ago, right? No, I got back from Europe, um, when was it? January, I want to say January 11th, January 10th. Yeah, I can't even remember, but so it's been a while. Yeah, I just uh, the pictures I posted were obviously not the exact. Right, time I was right. There. You weren't like, um, put this on you know, where else you get to go? I went to uh, Czech Republic. I've always wanted um, to go there. Did you go to Prague or I were did. you? I went nice. to Prague, and then I went to Barcelona, mm-hmm. and then I went to Manchester. Nice. Yeah, nice. some soccer cities. Did you get to go to any games? I went to a game in Manchester at Old Trafford. Oh, that's sweet. Who'd yeah. you get to see him play? Uh, United versus Reading in the FA Cup. Okay. It was a good game. All right. And then I went to Lisbon. 
Portugal. That's quite a bit of travel. And then I went to Paris for 12 hours. (laughs) 12 hours in Paris. (laughs) Famously lovely for 12 hours. Famously. Well, that's nice that you got to do a lot of traveling. And then uh, you went home. And where's home? Yeah, so so after uh, my Europe trip, I went to Mexico. Um, to visit my grandparents, who I haven't, who I hadn't seen in seven years. Oh wow! Nice. And uh, I surprised them because they didn't know I was coming. Okay. So my mom knew. My mom was already down there. Mm-hmm. She knew I was going. Right. Uh, Made sure there was a you know spare bed for you at least. Something. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, part of Mexico? It's a uh, it's a small town called Puerta del Rio. Okay. It's in the state of Nayarit. Yeah. And it's uh, so like uh, I fly into Puerto Vallarta mm-hmm. and then I have to. You know, drive three hours through whatever the jungle, the mountains, and I get to this small little town, village, whatever you want to call it. But it's, uh, it's it was a nice, peaceful time. Nice. It's very similar to when I would visit my grandparents in Evansville, Indiana. Like yeah. driving through jungles and <laughs> not the same at all. Honestly. A lot of jungles in Evansville. Not many. <laughs> not many. Well, well, we we're glad you're back, and uh, we're gonna have a whole heap and load of questions for you, uh, just to annoy the crap out of you as yeah. much as possible. But uh, before that, let's get to the only piece of purple stuff that we've really got. And so uh, before we do, Andy and I, for uh, purple stuff, we always say a little cheers. Cheers. That's it? Yeah, well, we're not, we're not trying to. Stuff. There's a secret to what the purple stuff is. Oh, okay. People don't know that purple stuff is actually alcohol. Oh, God, did I just spill yeah, the beans on that? Um, uh, we do different kinds of purple stuff for all of our episodes. Mm. Tonight, we are actually at the Fall City uh, Tap House yeah. and some very tasty purple stuff on tap. So uh, thanks to our hosts tonight. But purple stuff is our news, and uh, this time there is just basically Nothing. no news. We have one really cool piece, and that's it. And the one cool piece of news is that we signed another striker, or at least a forward. Yeah. I'm having a hard time telling exactly what kind of position he's going to play. But uh, his name is, and if I ruin this, I apologize to everyone. But God, it's uh, it. Abdu Bakke Jam, and he is uh, from the University of Connecticut. I believe he's Senegalese, yeah. and he, he's got a nose for goal. I mean, if nothing else, we can tell from the... Uh, from the stats that uh, I think last year in 20 games, he put in 15 goals and 10 assists. That's that's doing work. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the players of the year in the AAC in conference. Uh, they had a lot of success with him as a four-year starter. Uh, he was twice named to the conference team of the year. He uh, And if nothing else, he is a uh, confident young man on Twitter. Uh, he is very, very excited to get to work with us. Oscar, is he one of the gentlemen who's arrived yet, or are we meeting him down in Florida? I haven't met him yet. Uh, the only new player I've met is Taylor. Okay. Today. All right. Yeah. And he was awful, and we we're not going to like him? Or No, I like the kid. <laughs> Good. Cool Good. All right. So uh, that is our new signing. Uh, he will slot in with the four or five players that we have at uh, the forwards position. Yep. He'll slot in not amongst the five or six <clears throat> center backs that we have and not amongst the uh, five or six attacking midfielders that we have. He is not a player who will play defensive midfield or fullback. Oscar, that's your part of the trade here. Um, it's, it looks like we've got two guys who are like officially fullback slash defensive wings. Uh, not a lot of depth. Is that is that fair to say? Do we know who will be playing on the other side from you this year, or are you just thinking uh, uh, who are you're going to play both sides? Who are the who are the guys you're thinking of? 
Well, generally speaking, we know that uh, that you have played the last couple of years almost exclusively with Kyle Smith playing opposite you. Yeah. Uh, and we know that Sean Francis is listed as and has in his previous playing career played in that role. And we are enormous Fight Club fans. Yeah. And so if he is the man, then great. But uh, I don't believe that anybody else on the roster has ever been officially listed as uh, that position on any of the teams that they've been listed on. Yeah, I mean... One player I feel like a lot of people forget is Pat McMahon. We never forget Pat McMahon. But Pat McMahon is a full-on right back. Is he? he? I mean, he played fantastic. He played center back, or uh, you know, when we played three in the back mm-hmm. on the right side. But I think where he feels most comfortable is on the right side. Well, that's as great. A fullback. So I know that he's probably desperate to get started as well. So sure. Well, that'll be exciting to find out. Uh, you just said that he generally has played right back. We feel similarly about Sean Francis. And you would ideally be a right back, would you not? And they've got you out on the left, or do you just say, put me out there and let me go to work, and I don't care what side? I don't, I don't know what John has in store for me. But, uh, <laughs> That's fair. But, you know, whatever it is, I, I'm ready to do it. So. Well, that's great. You have been... Two years with the squad. This will be your third season with Lou City. And uh, two years, two for two on championships. That's That's got to feel fascinating going into a season knowing not only – I mean, after one year, you're going to have a little target on your back and people know you're the team to beat. Two years in a row. That's a big target. Yeah. The target gets bigger, yeah. Do you like being the hunted instead of the hunter? Is it like I'd rather be the best or is it I want to chase the best? Like, Well, the way I look at it is like – we were the best last season. Mm-hmm. Like right now, everyone is going to start off in the same foot, you know, mm-hmm. um, in preseason and whatnot. Obviously, we have a greater number of returners mm-hmm. than most teams. Yeah, I feel like I'm not sure, but great continuity. But uh, our mentality is that we are champions, but we know that it's a new season, and so if we, you know, if we go into it thinking, you know, that we are the best team, then I feel like that could bring in some complacency. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, you know, yeah, we won it. It's great for us. We had a good celebration a couple of days, weeks after. But, like, now it's all about this season. And so let's yeah. see who can, you know, be the best this year. And so our mentality is still going to stay the same just because of the, the group of guys that we have in the locker room. And, I hope these new guys coming in have that same type of mentality, mm-hmm. um, because if they do, then I don't, I don't see what can go wrong really. That is an enormously mature and yeah, uh, reasonable attitude. <laughs> fans don't take that attitude at all. No, as fans, it's like we, we are dwell the on dang champions. Like a back-to-back championship, we like to dwell on stuff. <laughs> we bring it up all the time. We talked about it for. We still talk about it. We're here um, right now talking was there, about yeah, it. Yeah. Was there ever a point, and actually I asked Niall this too because I was curious about it. Was there ever a point during the season when you thought, we can do this again. We are going to do this again. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you guys went on a streak and it was a pretty dramatic season just in general. Yeah. And amongst all that, was there ever a point when you were like, no, we're going to do this again? Well, there's, you know, once we played everybody once, in our conference, mm-hmm. um, you kind of get a feel of the team, mm-hmm. and then you start noticing re- results on like either online or through highlights, and you kind of see how who's got who's in form and whatnot with teams. But I feel like uh, like five games leading up to the postseason, 
it just something switched in a lot of us that were like, this is, you know, this is doable. Like Cincinnati was way ahead of us and stuff, so we yeah. didn't worry about them. You know, great, sure. great for them. They got first overall, and that's that's something I would like to win. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just this feeling like you know, once we hit this, once we get our form, like I don't think any team can stop us because we've seen what everyone has, mm -hmm. and if we just have the right mentality and we go out there and do what we know how to do, I think that we can definitely win another championship, and yeah. it happened. So. Part of the drama that Andy's talking about from last season is we change coaches mid-year and yeah. not even right away. You change coaches to three player coaches for a month and a half of the season and then it's a new coach. So you've got three different regimes that you've got to uh, sort of navigate throughout the course of a season. Yeah. This will be your first full year under Coach Hackworth. Uh, have you gotten any kind of a sense about the similarities or differences for an offseason with uh, Coach Hack as opposed to an offseason with Coach O'Connor? Well, Coach O'Connor and Hack have very different coaching styles in regards, I mean, obviously they're both winners and they want to win, but they have different ideas of how to do that, mm -hmm. and um, which is great, but this preseason is going to be a, definitely a lot different than the one with O'Connor, because with O'Connor it was super high intensity like you know running as much as you can to get as fit as possible without mm -hmm. touching the soccer ball um, to build a base fitness and this year we've heard through uh, like our assistant coach Danny that things will be a little lighter just we're trying to get super fit but it's like a slower progress mm -hmm. playing more games I don't know if you've noticed but we have more preseason games this year than yeah, years past definitely. so it's something that we want to get fit through games which for me is exciting because that's what we play the game for is to play games. Like that's what's fun. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Nobody just wants to go out there and run all day, otherwise you'd be a runner. Right, exactly. With that being said, your position and the way you have played it in particular as very much inline uh, to inline, not even box to box, but as an inline to inline kind of a player yeah. demands just a terrifying amount of running. Probably the most demanding position on the field in the systems that you guys have been playing in your two years. Yeah. And we talked consistently about uh, the level of fitness and how lucky we always were to have you and Kyle have so few games off and still be able to do that kind of workload. Yeah. Uh, if you just had to right now, right now, like we just walk outside, how far could you run? Because it's just remarkable to me watching you work throughout the course of a game to yeah. see you just consistently. Watching you play, like, I'm tired for you. Like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And so if we just had to sit you down and say, all right, Oscar, go. We'll pick you up at the end. How far would Andy and I need to drive to go and pick you up? Well, I wouldn't run as far as if I was wearing comfortable clothes. And I have a lot of stuff That's fair. in my pockets. So that, that would be He's uncomfortable. He's got some weight. But, and I don't have the proper shoes. But I think that I could probably... Without stopping, make it probably hmm, ten miles. Jeez! But I'm driving. But I'm not. I'm not running very fast. All right? so That's fair. Don't, don't think like <laughs> it's gonna be a casual stroke. Par five. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Well, on the to be fair, I think I could probably make it like two thirds of a mile, and then I would you know root you on from a distance. So yeah, cool. you're. But then professional, you do a mile and a half. professional athlete, yeah. not professional athlete. It's a pretty uh, stark comparison. <clears throat> All right. 
let's get into the real nitty gritty of this about why Andy has been pushing me and has been pushing me to have you be one of the guests on this show. We've had Paco Craig on the show mm-hmm. and have talked to him about this, and now we finally get a chance to talk to you about it. Okay. Every game, yeah. before every game, we do our previews, and in our preview, we talk about who will score and how they will score in that game. And every game, Andy predicts that Paco Craig will score on a header, on a delivery, from a corner, from Oscar Jimenez. Every game. Last year, we were lucky enough to have that happen on three separate occasions. And so Andy came in gloating after each one of those occasions that he had predicted it correctly. I'm just saying. Uh, You guys have a great partnership. Is that something that you guys specifically work on, or is it everybody needs to get in there and everybody needs to, you know, take their crack at this and just try to put in your best ball? I I think Paco and I, the reason why I look for Paco a lot on set pieces is because in training when we practice a corner kick or something, he's the first one to scream and yell and say, put it on my head. (laughs) Not a lot of people, not a lot of guys on the team like say that. Obviously, that's what they want. They want the ball at their head and stuff, but Paco straight up demands it. He says, put it on my head. And I'm not using the correct uh, term. Sure, sure. I can imagine the language. Yeah, Yeah, the language that he's, he's using, but that's what he says in training. And so when I'm, you know, when I'm, at a corner kick or at any sort of set piece, I look up and he's, yeah. you know, we make eye contact and I'm just trying to figure out where is he going to run mm-hmm. or sometimes he'll give me a, like a point with his finger or mm-hmm. sometimes like I already know what his run is and yeah. Well, you know, you're so, ag- and this is the reason I call it. This is the reason I call it because you're so accurate with it and he's kind of a big target in general, right? Like it's hard to miss him in yeah. a crowd of people. But, do you, I've always wondered this, do you prefer short corners or do you like to chuck it into the melee right in front of the goal? Like, what do you like to see? I like, I don't really, I prefer taking the corner than doing a short corner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, I can focus better on the ball. And when, when you do a short corner and you say you play it short and I get it back, it's like, now the ball is rolling and it's like maybe it hits a little piece of grass or maybe my footing's off. Mm-hmm. But with a corner kick, it's like I, already, I know where my footing needs to go. The ball's stationary. Like I know where I'm going to hit it and what part of the ball. And that's, so that, I prefer that. Right. I specifically remember last year you, in the playoffs, the, uh, the short corner going to Nile and Nile yeah. getting to make the play. And there was a lot of hubbub amongst the fan community about how uh, Coach Cruz had helped to – helped you guys to know that that was going to be an option and then you guys had executed it so perfectly what percentage of the corners and the set pieces that you uh that you take are preset plays and what percentage of them are well we know that we want to try to get to the back corner here or man we want to go to get to the front but otherwise i'm just going to try to put in the best one i can i'd say mm, i'd say it's like 50 50 because it depends if depends how the team um you know, because Danny and John do a good job of, you know, scouting the other team. And so, like, in, for example, in that game, Danny studied film and saw that they had left that space every single time for, like, the whole season, that space <laughs> right there. And so it was something that we practiced. Um, but then there's some teams that clog that space and they don't really, they do zonal marking. So mm-hmm. there's not very much open gaps, you know. So mm-hmm. that's when you kind of just put it in there. But... 
the runners have a certain run that they do, um, but that's usually the first or first and second corner of every game is usually if we have a play, we use it, and then it's like, if it's working, then we might try it again. If not, then the rest is just hit it in there. Pick a spot yeah, and pick, put pick it on somebody, yeah. Paco's yeah. freaking head. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> so last season on it, basically any set piece that we had inside of 33 or 34 yards, if it was facing towards goal, uh, we felt pretty sure that uh, Cam was going to step up and try to take a shot, and he was incredible at it, and it was fun to watch, and uh, it was so frequently successful that nobody really thought much of it. Uh, Cameron, obviously no longer with the squad. Uh, you seem like one of the logical choices to be taking those set pieces, those kinds of set pieces with him gone. Mm -hmm. Is there, first, is there somebody else on the team that, you know, is just incredible at that and that you guys watch in training and go, oh, man, if Cam wasn't taking every one mm -hmm. of these, it'd be fun to watch, I don't know, you know, Sean Tosh whip these into the corner. Yeah. Or do you are you looking forward to the opportunity of saying, hey, uh, yeah, I'm a really great passer and really good with my deliveries, but also I can put these things in the back of the net too? Um, I would say on the team, the person that I've seen take some and that I'm that I, like I'm pretty impressed with is Sean Francis. Okay. Um, he can really whip a ball in with his left foot and like from any distance, really. And so I'm excited for him to to give it a go. For myself, I feel like I personally need a little bit more practice with them. I'm mm -hmm. comfortable taking them. It's just I haven't had to take very many, so I haven't right. really done the proper work of, like to sure. actually practice those set pieces and so that's one thing that I will be doing a lot of this year just because it is a weapon like yeah, last year you yeah. noticed how many goals we got off free yeah, kicks so absolutely if, if you can you know not master that technique but at least improve it then it's something that we would all need I love that you say Sean Francis because that was my uh, that was my selection when we talked about that the yeah. other day but uh, also I love the idea that because of how accurate we all know you can be on delivery from set pieces, the idea that that's maybe just a small tweak of uh, what you're trying to accomplish and that uh, being able to put it into a specific spot on net instead of a specific spot on somebody's foot or on their head, yeah. it'll be fun to watch. Uh, I'm surprised. I mean, I'm, I'm just surprised that that's not something that is like, yeah, every training session, because I can, I'm going to go out there and do that. It really, I mean, honestly, it speaks more to yeah. professionalism than anything else to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're talking about, like, when I go out to uh, play in my adult league, uh, by the way, go Greyhounds 3-0. and But uh, Good job, bud. Thanks, really? man. Yeah, 3-0. What? Yeah, Jared and David were kicking butt. Um, anyway, when, uh, when we go out, and if you just watch our warm-ups, all you're seeing is guys trying to hit 22-yarders yeah. and try to curl it into the corner. Yeah, and it's to the hear, glory shot. Right? It like, is. And to hear a professional who is already known for his set pieces say that that's not something that I focus, focus on, yeah. that's fascinating. It just speaks to a level of I work on what I need to be able to do mm -hmm. in a game, and that's there's a lot of pride in that. Uh, okay. want to want to transition a little bit from set pieces and where people will play and all that. And ask, we've got a nickname theme here yeah. on the here on the uh, podcast. We've frequently talked to guys about what their nicknames are, or if they have one that they've always wanted. Ooh, Sean Francis is Fight Club. Except that that's not even. Except that's not even. That's really what they call him. But it's. it's yeah. um, have you asked him if he liked it? 
He did like he it. Did. He did. Or he yeah. said he did anyway. If he didn't, then he, he was just very kind. to us for all we he know. He was him. exceptionally kind human being when we spoke to him. Yeah. Uh, but we, and it, we in Scouse's house always call Sean Tosh Hulk. And that's a private inside joke for our uh, for our listeners and for our supporters group. But uh, Andy, in particular, is fascinated by nicknames. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Paco is Pac-Man. Yeah. We asked Niall what his was. It was Miz. So we, during the U.S. Open Cup, yeah. we were standing, Scouse's house stands at that other end, not the... Not the Cooper's not end. Not the yeah. Cooper's yeah. end, but the other end. And so we're, like, right there. And so... We, you were taking a corner, and we heard Dobro. Not Dobro. It wasn't Dobro. No, it was when they were taking a corner against us. You, we oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I know. We're going to call you OJ. Yeah. And at first we were like, who's he talking to? And we look <laughs> over, and you know, it was like. How did we not know that? Oscar, you how did, how did that not click just immediately? Yeah. That's what they call me. Do you like being called OJ? Yeah, I don't mind it. Has if it you been... had to pick a nickname, what would it be? That's probably the best one that I've gotten so far. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, a club back home in Bellingham that I used to play for. Not like a like an amateur team, an outdoor mm. team. But the supporter group started calling me Flying Squirrel. So that's a terrible nickname. Yeah, that's yeah, not that's good. Awful. Like, don't call me that. That's like, not strong. No. So was, we'll let people so, know. Like, don't. No. So, like... <laughs> OJ is a lot better than that. Um, in college, they just called me O. They just used my, my first letter. My All right. name, O. Yeah. And then, um, in high school, they called me Scarface because they just took the O out of my name. And I had gotten... Oh, uh, Scar. I, I yeah, gotten, I get that. I had gotten cleated in the face. And uh, I got a scar, so they just called me Scarface. Okay. So those are some of the nicknames that I've had that I didn't mind, that I liked. Uh, but the flying squirrel, I didn't definitely did not like. Scarface is pretty good, especially if after Oscar scores or assists on a goal, if we could talk Lance into you know shouting "Say hello to my little friend" yeah. over the intercom, yeah. that'd be pretty good. <laughs> but uh, that's actually Scarface. I don't think is, he'll do that. I don't think he will either. I think they'd get mad at him if he did that. <laughs> Scott Stewart would get immediately <laughs> mad at him for doing that, which would be fun to see. But. It would. And Scarface though is similar to the nickname that the team has for me when I play on uh, Tuesday nights. Uh, they call me Jerkface. Oh just, wow. Just uh, too different. They it's don't. not similar. It's not the same it's thing. Different things. No, that's that's just my personality. Okay. I guess we're gonna keep calling you OJ. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's awesome, man. And uh, I I wish I wish my initials lended themselves to that. But E F. EF is not like it's not strong. It's not uh, good. You don't really got much to work with. On that. I really don't. Um, all right, so we have mentioned now the uh, the Oscar Topaco connection that we feel, particularly on this podcast and in our supporters group. And I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold statement here. I'm gonna go out on a limb and make a proclamation. My wife has approved this, so I'm not doing this without her say so. But uh, we here in Scouse's house, and particularly in the house podcast, mm -hmm. are so proud of uh, the work that you do, uh, putting balls in on uh, Paco's uh, noggin, that we are going to donate for the 2019 yep. season. Uh, my wife and I have agreed to donate $25 to the charity of Oscar's Choosing. Yeah. Now, we have, generally speaking, in Scouse's house, worked with Kentucky Refugee Ministry. and we're My married. wife and I will do the same. And as will Andy. I don't have permission from her yet, but I don't think she's going to say that. Understood. So that means that just from the two of us, and I'll, I'll create it as a hashtag for Twitter that yeah. is Oscar DePaco, 
And uh, so every time they score one, we'll, we'll post the tally of how many that we've got for the season. And uh, at the end of the year, we will tout it up. And at this yep. point, it's $50. We encourage any of our listeners who want to pledge to join us in that. And I will bring it up at the Scouse's House General Meeting, which is two weeks from now. Yeah. But we will be donating money. And uh, we talked about whether or not it should be to Kentucky Refugee Ministry. But we do so much with them already. And we're proud of that. But there are so many great causes and so many great ideas that I wanted to try to personalize it for Oscar in this particular moment because yep. as much as we love uh, of Paco finishing them, he doesn't get a chance to unless he gets great service yeah. in the first place. And so uh, in this instance, we're going to let Oscar pick. And Oscar was talking to us before the show about uh, about a program uh, in a school that he used to work with and attend. And Oscar, if you wanted to try to talk about that for a minute. Yeah, like I was like I was saying earlier, um, it's the high school I attended and the high school I worked with. Um, you know, I uh, it's a there's a huge Hispanic population there, mm-hmm. and I just I feel like everyone deserves to eat lunch. You know, mm-hmm. when they're at yep. school, it's it's something that you know makes learning easier. When Absolutely, you're on a full stomach. You know, and so at that school, there's a lot of kids that don't get to eat lunch, and so. I don't necessarily know if it's a foundation or if it's a sort of what kind of charity it is, but I would like to donate money to the kids that don't have money to pay for a school lunch. Mm-hmm. And so we are going to uh, stay in contact with Oscar over the course of the season, and when he finds the person at that school who's the best contact for us to be able to pledge our support, mm-hmm. then that is who we will be uh, sending that cash on to at the end of this upcoming season. Uh, as I say, we've already uh, accumulated $50 per goal. Yep. If it had been last season, we would have gotten $150 out to them for that, which would be great because every little bit helps. But uh, we'd love it if, A, this year Oscar and Paco could make it more like 11 or 12 goals. Yeah. And then uh, B, if uh, some of our listeners... <laughs> you can go ahead and do that. That'd be yeah, great. come on, man. And uh, B... Yeah, talk to Paco. He's <laughs> we will absolutely do that. Uh, and B, if uh, any of our listeners, and especially if some of the other Scouse's House and perhaps Scouse's House as an organization would be willing to do the same, uh, I will bring it up at the organizational meeting, mm-hmm. which is next Saturday at Molly Malone's in the highlands and it is starting at 3 p.m. Three to five. So 3 to 5 at St. Mo- at uh, St. Molly's at St. Matthew's Molly Molly's. Malone's please come on out. We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it. Well, this is the last one. The last podcast before that. It's Highlands Molly Malone's, isn't it? Yeah, Highlands. You said St. Matt's. I do that. So Highlands Molly Malone's we're uh, 3 to 5 whether you are a member of Scouse's House or not we'd love for you to come out because all it is is a bunch of fans of Loose City if you want to become a member of Scouse's House you are welcome to do that the dollar amount will be determined at the meeting so that'll make it easy for you to be able to figure out what you owe Uh, otherwise if you buy season tickets by calling uh, 502 Loose City uh, then you can buy your season tickets and if you buy season tickets in the patio deck which is Scouse's House then you will automatically be a member and be able to uh, vote in the elections for officers and in what our merchandise should be for this year. We've talked, it will almost certainly be a hat, but if you've got a better idea, I'm not going to run for office as we have previously covered. 
I feel like you should. You should, right? Yeah, you yeah. should. I, uh, I, Oscar uh, would vote for you. I appreciate that. That's very – Oscar, if you come out and you vote for me, if Oscar comes out to the to the meeting and nominates me, then I will run. Frankly, uh, if Oscar came out to the meeting and nominated you, everybody would vote for you just I because would probably Oscar be able to, nominated you. I would probably be able to supplant Scouse as the president yeah. of Scouse's house, which would be something. Uh, but well, nobody, nobody wants that because uh, Scouse does a great job of leading our organization. We're proud to have him. Uh, so that covers all that, and it will be hashtag uh, uh, Oscar DePaco, and we'll make sure that that gets posted for every one of the goals that you guys Sweet. put together yeah. this season. Sounds good. You mentioned uh, that there's a heavy Hispanic population at the high school that you went to. Yes. Now, on our last podcast episode, we had Martin Valencia as our guest, and Martin is one of the co-hosts of Podcast Luchador, uh-huh. which is the Spanish-language podcast for uh, – uh, supporters of Lou City. Right. And then in his article, the second part of the articles that he's writing for the Coopers, Andrew Oost mm-hmm. uh, just had a several paragraph long section talking about uh, Latino and Hispanic involvement in Lou City and trying to reach out to that particular community, which has perhaps been underserved by Lou City as a whole. Yep. Uh, Oscar, as the longest tenured, if not most prevalent member of the Latino community who's on the squad. Uh, what do you think Lucidity can do better? And what do you think that the fan groups in the community at large can do better to bring more people into the fold, uh, especially from such a soccer-loving community? I mean, that's a good question. And that's something I, I've wanted mm-hmm. the club to do, but it's something that I don't know what it is they need to do mm-hmm. um, but I you know I I try to whenever I'm anywhere and I see uh, like a Hispanic group or anything try to you know have a conversation with them and um, there's been a few times where I've flown out of S- SDF and I've had uh, a guy talk to me and stuff and has told me like um you know why? Why doesn't Little City like reach out to more of the you know Hispanic populations mm-hmm. out here? Because mm-hmm. I feel like we don't really hear about the games and stuff. Yeah, and that kind of sucked to hear that from this gentleman on the airplane. Um, but I, I really don't know. I don't really know what they're doing exactly, um, and I just don't know how to improve it. But it's something I really want to think about. Like you mm-hmm. know, literally sit down and think what can the club do to help um, because it would be nice to see yeah for sure well and here's the here's the bit about it to me and this is you know obviously it's it's not my community and so I any opinion I have about it is is tainted by that but I mean that's it's just the reality is that uh, there's not like you can't just say the Latino community and say we're going to go and uh, appeal to the Latino community or the Hispanic community or you can't just say that and then you know we're going to put up two billboards in this one place and that'll that's what it is yeah. or we're going to have you know broadcast the games in spanish and that's what it is i don't it's exactly like you say it's a big problem without an obvious big solution yeah. and so i think that it's going to take a concerted effort on the part of all of the fans of the organization and of just the soccer loving people of mm-hmm. louisville to be able to tackle this as a whole because whether you're talking about the Latino and Hispanic communities, whether you're talking about the African-American communities, it's 
a lot of people who look like Andy and I who are coming to these games, and that's yeah. and hey, I, I like me and Andy a lot, but that's not the soccer fans in this mm-hmm. town. It's not the only soccer fans in this town, yeah. and it's frustrating yeah. uh, because I like going to games when I'm out of town because I like seeing what other people yeah. supporter culture mm-hmm. looks like. Yeah. So, like, I know we have the Noche Latina, which mm-hmm. yeah is one game, and but I don't necessarily know exactly what is done on that day. Mm-hmm. Besides, call it Noche Latina. Okay. I think what separates it from other games. Yeah. Besides, <laughs> don't that I mean? I just feel like that's what they do. But uh, they might have you know like sales on you know Spanish beer or sure. Latin beer, but I don't know what else is done. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really know where you know. I know Louisville has a huge Hispanic community. I just don't know where it is, right. what part of town it is. And well, and that's, I think, like another that. part of that issue is just not being able to say, we're going to you know, have an event here because there are, that's where a lot of the community is. Because it's hard to pinpoint that. I feel yeah. like it's very much just a part of the fabric of Louisville and not like yeah. there are pockets of right. uh, of Spanish-speaking peoples here and not here. Yeah. So I, I, I don't have an answer for know. it. No. Yeah. I made a, a really good friend at um, First Watch, the, the cafe spot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, great. Um, on, what is it, Hurstbourne? Yeah. Um, he... Uh, I'm not sure if he's a manager, not sure if he uh, works in the kitchen, not sure, but his name is Danny. And, you know, every time he sees me, he's so nice to me. He says hello, he asks how I'm doing, and, you know, same, do the same to him. But, you know, he always asks about the game, and he's like, oh, that game is great and stuff, because he goes, because every time I go and I see him, I offer him tickets, and then there's one time where... Um, I was like, how many tickets do you need? Because I asked him, and he said, honestly, as many as you want, you can or you want to give me, I will get oh, these wow. people there. Because there's so many people that love football mm-hmm. and that would like to go to the games. I just don't know if it's, if it's like, I don't know how much a ticket costs, but I don't know if it's too pricey for them or what it is. But um, one time, I think I gave him as many as I could, and he said, thank you. There was... 30 or 40 more people that wanted to come. Oh, wow. That's awesome. going to make it. And then I did the same thing uh, at this taco place called La Rosita. Okay. I don't know if you've been there before. I have not been to La Rosita. It's very good. Um, Yeah, uh, I brought some tickets in, and the lady at the the front laughed because she opened the the envelope, and she was like, you're going to need a lot more tickets than this because I can get so many people there. So yeah, there's there's just a, a huge a huge population of you know that that would want to go to the game. I just don't know what what it is, why they can't, or I'm not sure. Well, and that's one of the things where uh, I'm not at all going to speak for the leadership of the Coopers, and I'm not at all going to speak for the leadership of Louisville City, and not really for the leadership of Scouts' House. But I know that if you get some of those names together, and if the people who are listening to this podcast get the names of people who are trying to find tickets and yeah. just can't because they can't afford them or they don't know how to, be, how to go about getting them, that the supporters groups and the front office will do our best to work with people to try to get as many of those tickets to the places yeah, they need absolutely. to go as possible. Yeah. And so uh, 
whether it's Oscar or whether it is random person listening to this podcast right now, if you know people who want to go to games and just can't afford to go or don't know how to go about getting tickets or how to find the schedule or whatever it is, uh, bring those names to the president of your supporters group, to the president of the team, because we know that Brad Estes is listening and will be happy to work with whoever he can. So uh, I'm not making promises about, you know, oh, yeah, we got 800 tickets that we'll put. No, 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 no. But I'm saying that if we know places that people are looking for tickets and don't have them, then we'll do our best to make sure that as yep. many of those people get to come take in a game as possible. Scouse's House in particular, and this is where it's the Scouse's House podcast, so I've got to pump us a little bit. Yeah, uh, Scouse's House in particular <laughs> uh, is very proud of the fact that uh, we are a uh, multicultural and multinational yeah. uh, organization. We love the fact that we have uh, members who are from over 12 different countries and that come to the games and really enjoy the games as a community and as a group that is based on loving sport and not necessarily on loving anything else. It's just right. the idea that I may not agree with 80% of the people about 80% of things, but we all agree that uh, when Oscar plays, plays in a corner, we're excited. So uh, that's that's what everybody our wins is. then. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying everybody but the other team. <laughs> now, speaking of other teams, though, Oscar, you before before you came to Louisville, and this is a pretty well established story on the uh, on the interwebs is the idea that you participated in open tryouts is that right yeah. or was it an invitational tryout that you participated in? it was an invitational That's tryout, right. yeah and uh we just had open tryouts did you get to watch any of that and see how some of the guys looked or have you heard anything about how the open tryouts uh, progressed this season uh, i heard it was bad weather other than that yeah i, I mean much. i saw that when they were going to happen and i had a uh a kid who I coached at the university I attended. Mm -hmm. I coached him for a year. Um, he texted me and reached out and said that he was going to come to the tryout. So he's from back in the Seattle area. Mm -hmm. And he said he was super excited. And he, he came to the tryout, but he said it was only a one-day thing because of the weather. Yeah, you know, it was supposed to be Saturday or Sunday. Right. But, uh, it was just a Saturday thing. And you know, I've talk I talked to him with I talked with him yesterday, and he's just, you know, He's really wanting to know what the process is. If, uh, sure. If he's going to get a text, if he's going to get a call, like, like even if he doesn't make it, he's going to get a call. Like, how does it go? And I just, you know, I, I told him, you know, you, you might get a call, and that says, you know, um, they want you to come to preseason with us, or they might say thank you for coming. Like, you never know. Right. Just, you just got to wait for the call, I guess. But and that's all I've heard of the tryout so far. So there wasn't like one obvious superstar who stood out and everybody's been buzzing about or anything like that? No, I, I meant to ask um, John yesterday when I visited him for a bit. I meant to ask him how it went, but I, I totally forgot. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I was hoping that Andy had done really well because Andy... Oh, uh, you were there? No. <laughs> Andy oh, yeah. has never played organized soccer. Just out there in my chucks. Yeah. <laughs> Hoping for the best. In jeans. Uh, every just, time. Like, just seeing what would happen, you know. Yeah. Every time we have been around Coach Hackworth, though, he's always tried to talk Andy into becoming a center back. Six, six, five is a pretty good, uh, pretty good size yeah, for one, apparently. Size, yeah. Um. So before you uh, came to that open or to that invitational tryout, I'm sorry. Before yeah. you had come to that tryout. You had been playing with a couple of different developmental league teams, and you had played with Mississippi Bria for a while in PDL, is that right? Yeah. Or, or is that in PSL? Uh, Mississippi Bria is PDL. Okay. and then uh, But you had also been playing with Tulsa? Yeah, so I, I, uh, 
I played with the Sounders U23 mm-hmm. for like two and a half years. Because you're from the Pacific Northwest, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but it was something that, you know, um, it's a hard club to play at, um, especially if you're not from a well-known college. Is something that I kind of, kind of, kind of learned. Okay. Because, um, you know, a club like the Sounders, you know, has money. And sure. So a lot of the times I would. You know, start the preseason and stuff with this team and train hard and, you know, I worked really hard, but this team would fly in players from the top college college mm-hmm. programs and they would end up playing the games, um, which would suck for me because I was driving two and a half hours four yeah. times a week to train. Right. Um, and then suddenly there's a person you've never heard of who's from halfway across yeah, the country. Yeah, who showed up and, and trained one day and now he's playing the game. And right. And now I'm not in the roster and stuff like that, which was very, very frustrating. But it taught me a lesson. It taught me that, you know, some things aren't going to go your way, but it doesn't mean you put, take your foot off the pedal, you mm-hmm. know. So after that, those two and a half years of just practicing, basically, with the team, with quality players, I just, I wanted to, I've always wanted to play pro soccer, so I went to a... Uh, some combines in Las Vegas and San Diego, and um, the Las Vegas combine, I got invited with the organization to go on this uh, showcase tour to Sweden. Okay. Um, so they just, you know, they selected 18 players from all the That's cool. all the yeah. all the combines that they had throughout the U.S. and made a team, and then we we flew to Sweden for. Um, 15 days and we played five games against like division one teams and because in, in Sweden you have I think like five leagues oh wow the, I, I don't know how to pronounce them but I understand uh, I probably don't either so we played some games against those teams and hoping you know that you might get offered a contract which three guys in, of the on that trip did uh, I unfortunately wasn't one of them so I came back started working at the high school again and then I went to a combine in San Diego, where that's where I got picked up by David Irving from Tulsa Roughnecks. Okay. They were in the USL as their first year. It was 2015. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I got you know I got right on the second day of the combine. Uh, he came up to me before like because it was a three day combine. On the mm-hmm. second day, he came up to me at the hotel at breakfast and said he wanted to offer me a contract and. I'll do it. I was like, wow. And they're like, yeah, I want you to be the first player signed for the club. Oh, wow. And so Jeez, that's an honor. Uh, yeah. I was like, you know, Enjoy made, your it breakfast. Made, it, made me, it made me feel really nice. You yeah. Know? And uh, so that was great. And then I went to play in Tulsa, and, you know, the season wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. Um, but, you know, you learn, and yeah. I learned mm-hmm. from that. And I tried to find a new team once my contract wasn't picked up for the next year. And I couldn't. I couldn't find a tryout. I couldn't find Sheesh. preseason. I couldn't find anything for any team. So I went back home, and uh, one of my teammates from Tulsa, his name is Lucas Cordiero. He's a, a Brazilian who played at a small school in Oklahoma. But he also didn't get picked up, and he's a really good player. And he said, I'm still trying to play, and there's this coach that reached out to me from Mississippi and said he wants me on the team, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's going to be a really good time. It's going to be nothing but soccer. It's mm-hmm. going to be high quality. Um, are you still trying to play? And I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, well, I'll call him and tell him that you're looking for a club. Oh, and wow. So he called him, told him, and um, Mark called me. That's the coach of Mississippi. called me and said, yeah, I'd love to have you. We're in Clinton, Mississippi, which is 
there's nothing here. But you will train. Just to be so- bored. You will there train. a couple of soccer fields. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, you can come live here for two and a half months, train five days a week and playing games and, you know, and hopefully, you know, you enjoy soccer again and, you know, because that's what it's about. It's about yeah. having fun and enjoying it. And so I said, yes, I, I stepped out of my comfort zone and I moved to Mississippi for Oof. two and a half months. And, uh, you know, train, had fun. I really liked Mark and the way he did things. And then after, I mean, throughout the season there, he kept asking me, are you still trying to play in the ne- at the next level? And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I still want to. And he's like, okay, well, I have some friends mm-hmm. in the league, so I'll reach out to him. So the season was over, um, and I went back home. And then he called me and he said, I, uh, I have... Like a invite tryout that I got you in if you want, and I was like, yeah, I go anywhere. He's like, okay, what's well, in Louisville, and it's in I think he said it was like January, was it 10th through 13th? I don't remember, but yeah, he's like, all you have to do is uh, you know, pay pay to fly there, your housing, and then we'll see what happens. And I was like, okay, cool. So I paid for it. I got here and it was super cold. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, January. Yeah, <clears throat> but. I went to the tryout and I, you know, I had gone to those combines before and I think I, uh, I stressed myself out too much in those ones that I've gone to. I learned a lot from those for this one. Yeah. I, I, I I like, uh, yeah, I stressed myself out. I thought too much about it. And so this one, when I was, you know, before I even flew out, uh, my girlfriend at the time, you know, I, I, she helped me a lot through those times and she's like, you know, just just go and have fun. Just yeah. go and nice. play the game and laugh and smile. Yeah. And if you can make friends, do it. Just have a good time. Um, and so I went, and I, that was my whole, you know, mentality going there was, I'm just gonna enjoy this. Like I'm gonna have fun. Like I'm playing with my friends in Mexico, just you know, on the concrete. It don't matter like what happens. So I went, I played, and I, and I guess I did pretty well because after the trial, I flew um, back to Houston to visit my girlfriend at the time mm-hmm. and a couple of days later we were eating in, uh, Indian food at some restaurant and I get a call from this num- this random number I pick it up and it's James and he's saying that you know uh, you know uh, I re- we really liked you from the tryout you did really well I thought um, I thought you know you stood out for us and blah 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 but uh, at the tryout I was playing at center mid Okay. And so like, that's what I was. That's what I my natural position. That okay. I've always played as center mid. Really? Yeah. And so he on the phone said, "But listen, we have three center mids, and I'm all locked in on those positions. So I'm not looking for any center mids. But I think if if you're willing and you want to, I think you can make a really good outside back. If that's if you if you want to, I know that that's you know that's not the position and you, you try it out yeah. for. Yeah. Um, but if you're interested, we'd love to have you. And so I was instantly, yeah, whatever. I, I, I would love to learn a new position and play. I just want to be on a team again and, you know, play at, in a professional level again. So that was that. Then, you know, I flew in uh, later that week, I think, or the next week for preseason. And that was that was it. And it things two pretty good years yeah. since then. Yeah. Well, I think that that speaks a lot to the 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 great and the horrifying of second and lower division soccer in the United States of America yeah. is 
that's awesome that you were a person who said, I'm going to take this seriously and I'm going to be a professional regardless of what it takes. And that a couple of times meant that you weren't playing soccer. And a couple of times it meant that you were, you know, looking actively for a team, not just being found and moved on. And this is a person who is now an integral part of a two-time champion and in a league that has done nothing but grow in the time that you've been in it and uh, for a team that has done nothing but grow in the time that you've been in it. Uh, you have gotten to watch during that time period as four or five of your teammates have made the move up to uh, first division soccer in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy and I are probably biased in this respect that we think that in the long run, the USL is going to be a more viable and better model than the MLS is, but we're not playing in it and MLS pays better money. And, right. uh, you know, I, for a player, obviously you want to play against the best competition now, right. not build the best competition for 12 years from now. Right. And so uh, let's lay cards on the table. I think that there were a lot of players who are a lot of fans who were surprised that we were able to bring back a player of your caliber and somebody like a Paolo Del Piccolo and a couple of the other guys that we really thought might get chances, uh, Paco Craig, guys that we thought would Mm -hmm. likely move up a division or play in another league in another country. It's it's the dirty part of this that we as fans, we want Louisville City to be the best possible team, and that means having the best possible players. And so we are amped that you guys are all back with the squad. But you guys also, is it bittersweet, or is it like you're just proud of your teammates, or is it one of those things where you look at it and go, uh, I don't know what it would take for me. I can't put anything better on film than what I've put on film. I can't play better than I've played or at least I can't have been expected to play better than I played, yeah. and uh, and I'm still not going to get this chance. You didn't get to really play in high-level American soccer until you were already into your mid to late 20s, yeah. and that's that's got to be brutal for somebody to say, I, I just kicked all these guys' asses, these 23-year-olds who are going to get chances, and I just whooped them up and down the field for a year, yeah. and they're getting to move up because they're 24 when yeah. I'm a better player than they are, and I happen to be 29. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm really not. I'm just – I can't imagine what that feels like. If I'm the best inventory manager – they don't care if I'm 55 or if I'm 25. Yeah. I'm the best inventory manager. Right. I'm the one they want. Right. If Andy's the best salesman, they don't care if he's 63 or if he's 23. Yeah. But for you, you can be the best player at your position. And, I mean, let's not get ourselves. Consensus-wise, you were one of the two to five best players at your position in the country last year. Mm. And you don't get a chance to play at the next level up. We're thrilled. You're back. Thrilled. Yeah. But – I'm curious. How does that? What do you What do you take from that when it comes time to come back and go to USL camp instead of watching some of your friends and colleagues go play in MLS camp? Well, first, first, like we're like we're all really like pumped up and happy for Greg and Kyle. Mm-hmm. They got to move up because mm-hmm. you know we we train with these guys every single day, so we see the work they put in how they take care of themselves, how they handle themselves. So they deserve a move up to the MLS for hopefully more money and for more exposure. Mm. But it's not just them that deserve it. It's like a lot more players on our team. And this is a topic that I've had conversations with with people for two to three hours because it's something that it just, it really, really boils my blood. I'm sure. when I have conversations about this with people around my age, it's like, 
when we were young, we didn't really have the sort of opportunity that some of the, these younger players have. Like, there was no academy team mm, when I was right. playing. I I played for a very low club soccer team because my parents couldn't afford it. You sure. have to have money to be able to play soccer in a good league, in a good level. Yeah. So you know, I even the college system kind of makes me angry. Um, but you know, I didn't have enough money to play in a club soccer team that exposed me enough to get picked up by a Division One school that has their own TV networks that play these, you know, their games and yeah. stuff. But as far as like players on our team moving up and the whole age thing that you talk about, that's something that really, it really upsets me because it's like, yeah, I'm 29 years old and you have a 22, 23 year old, but we all wear these, these, uh, Bra, the biometrics yeah, things, the, yeah, with whatever the sensors and yeah, the they, trackers uh, track and all that yeah. mileage and stuff, and they look great, by the way. Just so you guys, <laughs> make, make, make. <laughs> but if you were to look at one of those things and compare them to a player that's 22 and stuff, like I'm not saying that every single person would be the same, but like in some cases, you have these these players, the older players that are 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 giving more numbers yeah. than. Proven to be fitter. Yeah, exactly. And the game of soccer is about running. Like I know sometimes it's supposed to be about smart running, which sure. I totally agree on. But the game is run. You have yeah. to run. You have to work hard. You have to do your best every single day. And that sometimes numbers can somewhat show that because it shows how much you exhaust yourself, how much you push yourself. And just because I'm 29 years old or it's just because Eric over there is 30, like years old why can't they get an opportunity to yeah, right. show themselves if they're performing at a consistent level because the game of soccer is like everyone has their moments everyone has it's about moments it's about you know like players that have like uh, streaks or you know that mojo or there's certain times yeah. that they're just they're, they're they're hot right now they're playing really well like Cameron last season you couldn't stop him you know yeah. you could yeah. not any shot he would take was either going in or the goalie would have to make an incredible save. But um, it's just, to me, I think a lot of players on this team deserve it to move up. And it's just something I hate that, you know, I, I don't, and like, obviously I don't know if it's the age thing, but it certainly feels like it. Well, and that's the horrifying thing to me about the American soccer system as a whole is being and being broken is that if you start, if you started behind the eight ball, then there's almost never a time to catch up because yeah, right. if you let's say that you played at the small school the small college you played at because you didn't get a chance to be more exposed because you couldn't afford to play at a bigger club as a kid yeah, and you never know that means that why. as a nine-year-old yeah. it made decisions for you as a 29 year old yeah. because if you had say instead of playing at bellingham yeah. Uh, you had played at UW. Yeah. Then maybe instead of being five years out, you was two years out for yeah. you to get into the USL, and then suddenly you're three years ahead of that schedule, and it's easier to make those calls. And that you can fall behind on your entire life schedule, despite not lacking the talent, not lacking yeah. the drive, not lacking the anything. That's the horrifying thing. It's not the honest to God. It's not the failing to find the eleven year old who should be playing and isn't. Yeah. It's the guy who's playing and playing great, but no one will ever see him. That is that mm. is horrifying to me. Right. Because uh, if you hadn't decided I'm gonna keep playing and keep playing, 
no, you'd be a really wonderful teacher in Washington right now, and nobody would yeah. have any. And right. people in Louisville wouldn't have gotten to watch you do this right. for two years, and that would suck. Yeah. One thing that, that bothers me is like not even like speaking about like guys on our team, but like guys in the USL like that have proven themselves year in and year out, like either scoring a ton of goals or you know providing assists or whatever it is, clean sheets throughout the years in the USL. Why don't they get? Why aren't there more USL players getting an opportunity at the next level, which is in America? It's the yeah. MLS, mm -hmm. but it's it's like no, I would rather have this uh, you know MLS combine where we're bringing college kids that have no professional experience, right. and we're just gonna we're gonna take them instead because they're from college. It reminds yeah. me a lot of the NBA mentality of drafting high schoolers saying, yeah, they're not as good as this college kid is now, but in three years he yeah. might be better than that guy is. Whereas to me, the thing about the MLS is put the best possible product on the field every year and develop those guys in your academy or let them develop in yeah. the USL. But if yeah. the best player happens to be 27 or 33, then play that guy and not worry about whether or not that 21-year-old is... He can play... Like, I'm sure that you would happily give up your spot to a really talented and precocious 21-year-old if that meant that you were going to get his spot in the MLS. Yeah. Well, because there's, like, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, uh, players that are on MLS contracts or get signed to MLS. Mm. They get brought down to the USL for the season. And get their with, butts kicked. With either their whatever MLS 2 team or they get loaned out to a different team mm. and... What are they doing? Sure, like, yeah. They're not really performing. Some, yeah. some of them are, but, you know, we're not an MLS 2 team, and we won the whole thing yeah. last year mm -hmm. and the year before that, and it's just, like, why aren't there more uh, of us, trying, like, getting an opportunity? Just an opportunity. All I'm saying is a preseason. Yeah, get, bring like, me get, out there. Get yeah. that, like, look at them. Watch them play with your players, and then you can decide, oh, no, this guy's too old. He's not cutting it. Right. But not even a sniff. Uh, like, this is your reward for winning the, the league. Like, here, go. I want to see what you have, what yeah. you got. But it's it's never like that. Well, and that's one of those things, again, where the difference between a player and a fan of a team is just so immense. It's because Andy and I and all of the people who are listening to this right now, we get to be really excited about the trajectory that the USL is on. Yeah. It's like, man, we can see how 10 years from now the USL – you know, you're going to get to be playing in this beautiful new stadium and there's going to be more money involved in it. And we love the idea that there's a players union now and how the quality of play is keeping improving year yeah. after year. But you don't ever think about the people who are having to sacrifice to make that happen. Yeah. And there are a lot of the players who are doing that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a bummer all around. Yeah. Uh, we're coming up on the end here. How, how pumped are you for the new stadium? We talked about it before you got here, like every now because... You know, we drive. I drive on 64 every day, coming out of downtown, and I look. And like, to be every fair, time I don't I go, know if he's on a one-year, two-year, or three-year deal, so he may not get to see the new. Well, stadium even just possibly. seeing it, I mean, well, the yeah. thought of a new stadium gets me super excited. Because there it is. to play in a soccer-specific stadium mm -hmm. would be fantastic. Because in Tulsa, I played on a baseball field, and then my two years here, I played on a baseball field. Mm -hmm. So, but I've you've never, gotten really good at it. I've never really played. <laughs> yeah. I've never really played on a soccer-specific stadium except for, like, Lynn, mm, right. which, which is a good, a great stadium to yeah. play at. Like, we love it. Even though there, you can't fit as many, like, fans, it just feels we love being so there. much better because yeah. everyone's, like, closer to the field, and that's how it should be. Yeah. Um, but 
when I drive by it, I don't really see anything going on. So I'm wondering, like, it's when, so much when like is this going to yeah. happen. You know, like it's just well. Dirt. My my understanding about that uh, is that we should expect in mid February to start seeing stuff go up. Okay. Because right now they're doing a lot of stuff under. Because yeah. they got to be able to keep the drainage exactly right and the sewage and all of that exactly right, and they've got to be able to have the dig dug out for the foundations. And so they're still working very much underground right now. My got understanding it. is that around mid-February, that's when we start to see it go up uh, instead of just down. Got it. So uh, that's about the time. Right around the first, by the time we play our home opener at, Lucid, at uh, Slugger Field this year, we ought to be able to look out the window and see some good stuff oh, going that'll up. That'll be nice. Yeah, I think it'll be awesome. That we by should the time sneak on there and write our, our initials in, the in concrete. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, but hopefully by the time that we're uh, you know gearing up for <laughs> by the time we're gearing up for a playoff run for you guys again this year, uh, that uh, by that time it'll start looking like an actual stadium. So that'll be fun to be fun to see. Yeah, Oscar, we really appreciate you coming on tonight. Yeah, Andy, did awesome. you have anything else you needed no, to man, get covered this was, here? This was amazing. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. We appreciate God, it. Well, thank you for coming <laughs> on the show. And uh, if. Uh, if we've learned nothing else about this uh, podcast, it's that when we finish, Oscar, we always first say very good luck and thanks to our guests, but then we only ever say one thing to finish it, and that is Go City! <laughs>